sometimes you might wonder why what we do what we do, like standing for that last verse. It's just to get you a little bit more alert, <laughs> because you sit has been seated for a while, and I know what it's like listening to a long-winded preacher. Last week, I asked Brother Sam, and it's not going to be that tonight. I shouldn't have promised. But um, I asked Brother Sam, because he's doing the recording, how long did I go? I don't really want to know. <laughs> but it was a subject that was contained within those boundaries. It was an hour and ten minutes. And so there's only one other time I've done that, and that was covering a subject that needed to be dealt with in one hit, and that was a demon possession of Christians or not. And it was not, <laughs> definitely not. And that was covered I, 35 years ago, that one. And I can clearly remember those sermons. But tonight, we look into Matthew, Matthew Matthew's Gospel, <clears throat> chapter 18. And we covered the parable the last uh, a few weeks ago when we did this <clears throat> but tonight we're just going back to what I said we would cover the tormentors the tormentors what are the tormentors that is spoken of here he's going to be delivered unto the tormentors until he had paid the last debt debt or last thing that was due him that's in verse 34 of chapter 18 and let's pray and ask God's blessing <clears throat> thank you heavenly father again for your word that we have a guide in this dark day something that the spirit of God can use in the Christian's life to keep us on track a light to our pathway a guide to our life life itself the bread of heaven the word of God minister that to our lives today be with those that can't be here because they're not well and may be listening in be with the missionaries and Brother Andrew and Rachel as they may be listening in in their morning service this time of the day. Lord, bless for your glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> God demands that we demonstrate mercy, the mercy of forgiveness to other people. The principle of forgiveness is right throughout Scripture. Even with the first sin that was committed, well, there were other sins, but when Cain killed Abel, God later on in the law said, by, if a man sheds blood, by man shall his blood be shed. God was merciful and allowed Cain to live, remember, after that he'd killed Abel. And so right from the beginning, God has been merciful and forgiving. It pervades scripture. <clears throat> and so we're going to examine this mercy this forgiveness in a parable in a prayer <clears throat> in a picture and in practice first of all in this principle of forgiveness is shown in the, this parable that we have before us notice in verse 28 of the these verses of chapter 18 but the same servant went out and found one of the fellow servants who owed him a hundred pence and so there was billions of dollars owed by him for which he was forgiven now he lays hold on this poor bloke that owed him just in a few tens of dollars and demands that he pays him grabbed him by the throat it's dra dramatic action here 
And here is a pointed truth. It's not possible for anyone to commit an offense against us greater than any offense that we've committed against God. And this is the point of the parable. We have grossly offended God. We've done sins that we don't even know we've committed. All our life long, even as a Christian, God forgives us. We should forgive those people that sin against us. That's the point of the parable here. He, this man, when he was found out by the king, his lord, that he had done this to his fellow servant, in verse 34, was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors there. If we have unforgiving spirit, if we hold grudges against people, one strike and they're out, or as Peter, seven strikes and they're out, or as the religious people, three strikes and you're out, we do not do what God wants us to do. If we hold a grudge, God will send the tormentors in. Now, what are the tormentors? Have you got any tormentors in your life? Well, after we pointed a few points out, they're in, uh, they're in the bullet, bullet in the outline there, I believe. The first one is physical tormentors. When we don't forgive those that have sinned against us, we will suffer physical problems. And that's where a book has been written by S. Macmillan, None of These Diseases. And he makes some of the following comments regarding the fact. For centuries, scoffers have ridiculed the advice of Jesus, love your enemies, as being impractical, idealistic, and absurd. Now they're recommending it as a panacea for many of man's ills. <laughs> Huh, they finally figured that this is truth. God gave it. The Lord Jesus. When Jesus said, forgive 70 times 7, he continues here, he was thinking not only about our souls, but of saving our bodies from ulcerative colitis, toxic goiters, high blood pressure, and scores of other diseases. You, say, you see, we live in a sinful world, and... <laughs> have to be careful. If you've got some of these things and other diseases, it doesn't mean that you're an unforgiving spirit, but it may, and we need to look at ourselves. We should examine ourselves, as we did before the Lord's tables, to see if we have sinned. Lord, show these things unto me. Remember what Paul said when, we, when they of Corinth partook of the Lord's table unworthily. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you. And many sleep or have died because of the unconfessed sin or partaking of the Lord's table unworthily or not getting it right with a brother or a sister. And he continued here in this quote, In life's frog ponds, perhaps we're able to outcroak our fellows, but it might truthfully be written on many thousands of death certificates that the victim died of grudgitis. <laughs> I don't think you find it anywhere on a, on a tombstone. <laughs> you know, he, be, he grudged this person. He would not forgive. And he had a disease that he couldn't get over and overcome. <clears throat> and he continued here, We have heard people say from beneath clenched teeth, I'll get even with this skunk, even if, the, even if it's the last thing I do. And often it is the last thing they do. <laughs> 
And he goes on, lab researchers have repeatedly proven that our attitudes affect our body's immune systems, which affects our health. Have you noticed that people who are unforgiving can have many of these diseases? An unforgiving spirit, an attitude of grudge, ill feelings, nursing these things. Um, hey, you have grudged, uh, I mean, offended others. They could hold grudges against you. Time to get it right. <laughs> and we'll show you how as we go through. There's the physical tormentors we've mentioned. There's the emotional tormentors too. James 4.17 tells us, if we know to do good and do it not, to us it is sin. To us it is sin. So there's those emotional tormentors. We know and we don't do what we should. To us it is sin. We violate and grieve the Holy Spirit. We become bitter instead of better. We don't grow from the experience. And eventually this guilt leads to, could be depression or sicknesses as we've just looked at. It's said that a great majority of patients in mental institutions are there because of de depression brought on by accumulated guilt. I don't know if you ever went to Beechworth before they closed the section down. Terrible place to go, where they had the insane asylum. In our own hospital here, Nolan House, we've got that. It used to be just a little wall. They built a great big wall around it. So people, what, what were they trying to do? They were getting out of there. And we live pretty close to there, so some have turned up on our doorstep uh, looking for help. And we, you know, with the Lord's strength, you can help folk in this. But the emotional tormentors come along. And there's an illustration here that's used. I recently read of a patient who was being treated for depression. His depression had lasted for a number of years. He was asked if there was anyone with whom he had especially, he had been especially angry just prior to his depression. He was initially surprised at the question. But after thinking about it for less than a minute, he appeared to be getting angry. His neck became red, his pupils became dilated, and his fingers began to draw a fist. <laughs> so if somebody asks you, if your psychologist asks you, <laughs> you've got something against and you start doing this, <laughs> you don't have to say anything. <laughs> or the pastor, whoever, <laughs> I'd not highly recommend psychology, but anyway, um, <clears throat> this happened to him. He, he used many curse words to describe a teacher who three years ago in front of the college peers had accused him of cheating although he had not cheated. He described the incident with vivid hostility. When asked why he wouldn't go ahead and forgive the teacher to help him get over his depression, he angrily replied, absolutely not. I've never forgiven her until this day. I'll never forgive her until the day I die. She doesn't deserve it. At this point, it seemed appropriate for the counselor to ask or, or to, to help him see the absurdity of his position. You're really punishing her, aren't you? You're going through years of depression to get vengeance on her. Is it worth it? Do you think she even remembers who you are? Finally, he decided to, give he, to forgive the teacher and his depression left in a matter of weeks. Interesting account. And there's probably thousands and thousands of accounts of that. Emotional tormentors. Mental tormentors. When we, this is the third one, the mental tormentors. When we hold a grudge against someone, we become a slave to that individual. 
we can't enjoy work, we can't go to school, we can't do anything without them coming to our mind. Is it, it, this is an indication, is everyone comes to your mind all the time? That you, <clears throat> I'd like to get even. If there's someone like that, then we've got a problem with lack of forgiveness. This parable, these truths apply to this situation. That the, the mental tormentors, are you holding a grudge? against someone and it constantly comes to mind. I was recently talking to someone <clears throat> and they just came out with something. Now I've known this person for 40 years. Never had seen or detected or heard about this. Like it came out that their father, her, their father had abused them when they were just a young person right through their teenage years. And I look back and I think of all the things that have happened in that person's life because of that. And it helps me understand that person and their attitude to life now that they're in their old age. I thought, I couldn't believe it. I thought, did I miss something way back or all the way through that this has happened? They were forgiving, but this has happened and had messed their life up all their life right through almost to the end now <clears throat> don't hold it it can go over and over in your mind and now looking back I can see the indicators of what, what, what had happened and I, you, I'm not look, I wasn't even thinking I don't even think that way huh? that, that this could have happened to them never the thought had entered my mind spiritual tormentors holding a grudge against someone has devastating consequences. Devastating to our Christian life. Let, turn to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23. Matthew 5, 23. <clears throat> Here's another tormentor that gets to us. Hey, the person that's done it to us usually doesn't know or knows and thinks it's only a little matter. And we go on our way, not our merry way, our angry way, with our fists clenched ready for a fight and we react to situations and other things that come our way. But spiritual tormentors, Matthew 5, <clears throat> 23, through to 26, we read there. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remember that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Tormentors, <laughs> verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out from there till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. <clears throat> so it has devastating consequences. It's clear from this teaching here to hold a grudge has that. Unreconciled condition is a gross hindrance to our worship and to our service and to our ministry for the Lord. Um, <clears throat> do we have that? It seems logic as we pray, forgive us our trespasses in the same way or as we forgive those who trespass against us, said the Lord in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14. So who pays when we don't forgive? We pay. We pay the price. It's, it's not worth the price. Give it to the Lord. The principle 
The second principle, that was a principle in a parable, and the others are not as long. The second one is a principle in prayer. As we've just mentioned from Matthew chapter 6, we're right there. Let's go to chapter 6 and verse 12. The model prayer of the Lord in this portion of Scripture. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. <clears throat> and it reminds us of the parable in Matthew 18 that we've come from. We owe a great sin debt as that man did. And he was forgiven. Should not we forgive others, not hold the grudge? Uh, <clears throat> how are we handling our debtors? <laughs> Good fellowship with the Father depends on good relationships with others. Are we holding grudges against others? Um, <clears throat> a good indicator that we might be out of fellowship with God will be the way the unmerciful servant treated. We have gone out of fellowship. <laughs> he went out. Remember in Matthew 18, he went out. He's out of fellowship. He's out of sorts with the Lord. He's out of sorts with himself and with other people. Um, the, the, so there's a principle in prayer there's a four, third principle the principle in the picture form this is found in John's gospel chapter 13 haven't looked at it from, much from this angle before but in Matthew 13 verses 1 right through to about 20 I think it is there Jesus knew that his hour of departure was come when he'd get, when he would be dying for our sins move out of this world <clears throat> he loved his own unto the end and, he, and then he got a tale about him and washed the disciples feet and the word washed and wash in these verses translated from two different Greek words washed could be rendered bathed like a full bath full shower it's the form of the Greek word luo and we've mentioned this before denotes complete bathing Wash, just W-A-S-H, is from the word nipto. And it's easy to remember these because nipto is just nip in, do a quick rinse of the hands, wash of the hands, and um, you're clean because the rest of you are clean. Huh. Um, <clears throat> so washing of the hands and the feet. And the imagery here is someone returning from the bath house because not everyone had a bath in their house. <laughs> I remember down at Jerusalem, in the southern southeast corner you go underneath the everything that's above you just near the temple mountain go into all the priest quarters and the baths they had there for washing themselves in preparation for service but they they, they were having a full wash not a nipto not a nip in and get it done quick with the hands and the feet so when they returned from the public baths in those days they didn't have bitumen they didn't have concrete to walk on that dirt by the time they got home, their hands could be dirty from opening things, and their feet certainly would be. And they had to wash their feet. And so, <clears throat> so it is with us. We have been completely cleansed by the blood of Christ. We only need to get saved once. But many times we need, as First John 1 tells us, to go and have a nipto, a wash. Please forgive me of this sin and that sin that I've committed. Um, <clears throat> the Lord goes on to give an important com command based on this illustration a demonstration to the disciples here ye ought also to wash one another's feet now in containing this whole thing is the idea of forgiveness isn't it the idea of cleansing is forgiveness we ought to wash one another's feet we ought to forgive 
one another. And so this principle of forgiveness and mercy toward others, not holding a grudge, is shown in Matthew 13. Forgive as you have been forgiven. And um, it reads in Romans 5.8, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ forgave us. Jesus has said, I forgive you, you forgive each other. Walk in harmony and spiritual fellowship one with another. And as First John says, if we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So there, this is important business that needs to be taken care of by ourselves individually to get right. The fourth principle, the principle in practice. God has commanded us to forgive. So forgive. It's not an option, it's a necessity. And the key to forgiveness is seeing the offender as God sees him as an instrument that God has used to do something in your life. It's hard for humans to see it from that point of view. Very hard. <laughs> they did that and they need to go to the court and be judged. My court, of course. And I'll be the judge and I'll be the juror and I'll make sure it happens to them. <laughs> no. <laughs> God has allowed this to come. Remember in Genesis 50, there the story of Joseph. And in 50 and verse 20, Joseph said, You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God was behind this instance where Joseph could have become very bitter. Do you think Joseph would ever become the second in charge in Egypt if he had got bitter and uh, <laughs> held a grudge against his brothers? I don't think he would have ever been there. God tested him through all those occasions with Potiphar, with the jail people, with the butler and the baker and all the different situations he went through. God tried him out to see how he, and he reacted correctly every time. These were instruments of God to, to build me for a purpose, to be able to lead the people of Egypt, second in charge, and make right decisions. You see, Pharaoh could leave it to him and trust that everything was right. Remember, Potiphar came to the same conclusion. I can leave it with Joseph and everything will work out. God's with him. I can trust him completely. Can God do that for us? Or are we unforgiving and God doesn't trust us? with people. God doesn't trust us with others. But uh, the, the, the brothers weren't thinking that way. They thought, uh, oh, Dad's now dead, and so Joseph's going to get even now. He, he never thought of getting even. He, you know, they were trying to protect themselves, and he said this in 50 and verse 20 of Genesis. Now, to solve the problem if we have a grudge or we are unforgiving towards somebody, discover, first of all, what made the relationship break down? Ask the Lord to show you, to remember that offence that has been committed, that you have offended someone or someone has offended you and you've got the grudge going. And list these offences toward the, the ones that you have committed toward he. Put yourself in their shoes and let them put themselves in your shoes. But list the offences on both sides that could be. Confess the sin to the Lord. Remember what David did in Psalm um, 51 and verses 1 to 4. Again, he said when he was confessing his sin with Bathsheba, he said this, 
against thee and thee only have I sinned. Who is he talking to? Bathsheba? Bathsheba's husband? No, he's talking to God. Get it right with God first. That's the primary person we need to be dealing with. <laughs> and as 1 John 1, 8 to 10 tells us, admit, acknowledge, or literally to say the same thing as God. I have sinned. Name the sin. Well, I have sinned all day. It's not getting specific enough. Get to the point. What, it is, what is it? And with the person, if we have something, a problem that's holding us back in our Christian life, or we're becoming bitter, not better, or, or this thing is repressing our, our Christian life, confess this to the Lord. Confess, get it right. Find what it is and confess it to the Lord in those verses. Secondly, forgive the other person. And uh, we just mentioned what forgiveness means. Forgiveness is surrendering all claim for payment, never to bring it up again. This means that we don't just let it go, we forgive. <laughs> it means that we bury the hatchet. <laughs> we bury the hatchet and we don't leave the axe handle sticking out of the dirt just in case we need to grab it quickly. It means putting it away for good, <laughs> not leaving opportunity to grab it in time of need. Look. <laughs> bring it out on another person forgiveness is a duty a necessity something commanded of us forgive the other person remember we've said that when we know what we ought to do in James and do it not we feel guilty and ultimately are repressed by this the opposite is true too when we know we've done right or we know we've been convicted that we need to do right and do it it brings relief, it brings forgiveness, and it brings the joy of the Lord. <clears throat> the Lord said in John 13, 17 that we referred to before, if ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do these things. Happy are ye, joyful. Um, uh, thirdly, ask forgiveness, and this is all in the, the outlines in the bulletin there. Ask forgiveness of the other person. Don't put it off to another time <laughs> put off the old man and then put on the new man ask forgiveness of the other person they they might react mm, I didn't know <laughs> they may react that way they may say yep <clears throat> I went to some <laughs> some unsaved people and I've been, I've been preaching here and I after a while I was convicted that that would have offended them. Now, yes, the gospel is an offence to them, but the way I used and what I said and the illustration I used would have been offensive and they, they could have taken it as offence and they could have said, well, he's just looking straight at us when he said that. So I went around and talked to it, talked to them. The man of the house, oh, no, it's okay with me. And the lady of the house, yeah, hmm. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and they knew, they, they remembered that. And I won't say what it was. But <laughs> Ask for forgiveness of the other person and do it quickly. The danger in waiting is what? You might say, nah, I'm not going to humble myself like that. You'll be tempted not to ask for forgiveness. Do it, do it now. <laughs> if it's in your hand and in your heart and in your mind, do it now. Don't seek to put it off to another day. <laughs> Don't let it fit into your schedule. Do it now. It's most important that you get it right now, as with the Lord. 
In Psalm 119 verse 60 it reads, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. I did it now. It's commanded of me. It's a duty I need to do. Do it quietly if necessary too. If it involves two people, <coughs> the offence that is, you need only in reconciliation to involve those two people. Minimum number of people. If you have been offended by someone and held a grudge against them, without the person having known that you've begrudged them, then the only people that are for the problem is you and God. Minimum number of people. <laughs> you and God. Get it right. Because you can open a whole can of worms if you go around saying, well, I was offended with you and, you know, tonight everyone's at the back, at the front, whatever. You offended me, I offended you. And I say, oh, what? <laughs> you know, there's some things that come under the blood and we can forgive between us and the Lord. He knows our heart and our mind and what we're thinking. You were the only person involved in the offence. You and God should be the only ones to get reconciled. And that's why Psalm 51, David got it right with the Lord, but he knew others had been involved. He got it right with them. Um, <clears throat> and this is the meaning of Proverbs 17.9. The idea of love covering a multitude of sins means that whenever possible, love lets go of the offence and love covers the sin. There's no need to ask for forgiveness. It'll only bring up hurts. And if it were necessary to confront everyone about every problem that we have, you know, we might be a hypochondriac about it. <laughs> and we've got all these things we think people have. Get it right with you and God. And uh, <clears throat> if it were necessary to confront one another about everything <laughs> in our homes, with our children, with our children's children or with our parents and grandparents, there would hardly be time for anything else. We learn to love, we learn to cover, we learn to forget, we learn to overlook. You know, you have been offended with people and you have gone to the Lord and asked him to forgive you of this sin and uh, this offence it seems to be and you can get, get on fine with that person again without them ever knowing. I'm not trying to get you off the hook here, but we, ha we have to measure, measure it. And you know that you can get it right and you can go on and work with that person and serve with that person again. And it was your sensitivity that made you react that way in that well, they, they really didn't do that greater thing, like the $14 or whatever is owed by this other person. <clears throat> whenever something cannot be overlooked and it keeps bug coming to mind and bugging you we might say it's obvious that it's, you've got a grudge there and you need to bring it out into the open and if you go and do this say the right thing <laughs> don't say I was wrong but so was you <laughs> so were you <laughs> you just made another offence something else that has to be gotten right and don't say, I'm sorry about it, but it wasn't all my fault. Now, we learn to do these things from childhood up. Don't say, if I've been wrong, please forgive me. No, 
forgive me, I was wrong. Um, <clears throat> don't say, I'm sorry about the way I lied to you. Please forgive me. Now, don't you have something to say to me? <laughs> you know, you could, that's how the old human man does that. The old nature will try to justify, excuse, pass the buck, blame somebody else. Comes from Adam and Eve, doesn't it? <laughs> say something like, God has convicted me of how wrong I've been in my attitude and name what that attitude is will you forgive me notice you should go beyond the action to the attitude the action is merely some, a symptom of the, the <coughs> sorry the action is merely a symptom yes of bad attitude and get it right remember Luke 15 the prodigal the prodigal son he had offended his dad, he defended his brother, he defended his family, he'd sinned against God and heaven. <clears throat> and before he went back to get it right with his father, because it was a gross uh, sin that he'd committed and spending the inheritance riotously, before he went back, he said, this will I say. And he worked out what he was going to say before he got there. Good move. That's what we ought to do. Work out what we're going to say before we get there. Now, it doesn't always go to plan. <laughs> but you need to have something worked out and just humble yourself. And uh, this is one of those things of brokenness that we've looked at in our morning service. Say the right thing. Ask for forgiveness for the right thing as well. It really goes along with saying the right thing. Um, <clears throat> the right thing. Don't shift. Don't get off the subject. Don't minimise the situation and don't let them minimise the situation. To you this is important, to them it should be important. They might say, oh no, no, don't worry, it's all, it's all okay. But really they're not getting it right. Um, make sure that before you leave that it is understood what you're saying, what you're asking for. And as Romans 12:18 tells us, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men, with all men. And the Hebrews tells us, Follow after all, pursue peace with all men, 12 and verse 14. And if necessary, make up for any loss that has been incurred by you doing what you have done. You might have involved stealing or taking or, or, or doing something. And this, is, uh, this, this principle is seen in Zacchaeus's life. If I have wronged anybody, I will pay them whatever fold so many fold to reimburse them for what I've what loss they have had have incurred from me doing that now if I refuse to forgive we wear the grudge we wear the problem our life goes on well it doesn't go on it's it's basically on hold until we get it right it's it's like can't move forward from here because there's a situation I haven't got right yet and bitterness can take over let's turn to Hebrews Chapter 12 and verse 14. Hebrews 12 and verse 14. And 15. Follow peace. And, and it's talking about discipline and chastening and problems in the Christian's life in the previous verses. And it reads, Follow peace with all men and holiness with it, without which no man shall see the Lord. That, that's the way we want to go. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, 
lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and by it many be defiled. That's the end situation. Bitterness takes root and will poison the rest of your life. It will poison the people around you. You'll have a, a, a way of saying things to people that cuts and hurts Folks, I know about it. I've been on a receiving end of those that have become bitter instead of better when they've been in a situation, an unforgiving situation, and it's not nice. It's not nice to see what they do to their families, the closest to them either, because that's where they really reveal themselves. And so, if there is someone you have not forgiven, remember these truths. Just going back over. You are living in willful disobedience to the Lord. Matthew 18:22. Secondly, you are subjecting yourself to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual tormentors. Thirdly, whatever offences was committed against you is insignificant compared to the offences that you and I have committed against God. Fourthly, you will not experience joy and blessing or spiritual growth until we get out and forgive. Get it right. And fifthly, you're putting yourself above God in making the judgment as you have. God places a responsibility clearly on ourselves. You might say, they wronged me. Let them come to me. That displays an unbiblical, ungodly attitude. Someone must take the initiative. Remember, God took the initiative. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. To build that relationship and to be reconciled with us, he who had done nothing wrong took the step toward us and continual steps toward us to forgive us. Remember that always. And the parable that we started with is so true. <laughs> the king has forgiven us all and everything. Shouldn't we forgive one another and not build up this grudgeitis, this bitterness in our lives? God, give us grace to do what's right. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word, for the examples all through the Bible about people with the pro attitude problem with a lack of forgiveness, not wanting to, not desiring to, to live in their sin and to live in pain and to invite judgment. Oh God, deliver us from that life as Christians and may we live in the freedom of forgiveness from each other and the freedom of forgiveness from God. Bless us as we go our way and do what is right and obey your commands. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>